You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt. And I'd like to begin here today by calling out to the helping spirits to be with us. So I call out to your ancestors and mine. I call out to all of those who have gone before us, those men and women who lived well, who died well, and bring all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines as a legacy into ours so that we have this rich resource to draw on, to use to help us to be better people in our own time. I call out to these ancestors and ask them to stand with us, to whisper in our ears, to uh, be the firm hand at our back, and to help us to have the courage to go forward in new ways where that is what our time is asking of us, to innovate and to create change and to end those ways of being that are no longer useful, no longer uh, humane no longer uh, our best selves. And so I ask them also to stand with us and support us in remembering those old ways that are really necessary to help us to stay grounded, to stay in our bodies, and to bring forward a way of being that is good for all life in all of its many forms and with its great diversity. And so as these ancestors gather around us, I ask them to help us, the living, to do what must be done in a way that is good and true and beautiful for those who are coming. And we reach through these human ancestors to those much, much older ancestors in their many forms and their great diversity. I reach out to the rest of life here on earth and ask it to bring its grace and beauty and strength into our own lives and to help to support us in learning about the deep truth of our own grace, our own beauty and our own strength. And may we bring these energies into the world that human beings remember how to be a blessing in this great web of life and not a blight. And so as these ancestors gather around helping us humans learn to be better humans, may we call ourselves in from wherever we might be scattered about in our life multitasking and draw our awareness into our head and draw our awareness from our head into our heart and with another deep breath, draw these energies deeply down into our belly and take a moment focusing on the single task of offering our gratitude to the earth for this day, for our life, for all that has been in our life that has brought us to this moment, for all that is and all that will be. We give gratitude to the earth and the generosity in her dreaming that has created this way of living for humans so that anything that we need to change can be changed as long as we are breathing. And so we call out to the energy of the earth to hear our gratitude for our lives and the wonder and the magic of life itself. And as we move our focus, our consciousness down through all the layers of the earth, reaching for the very center of the earth to ground ourselves strongly there, we let our gratitude pour out layer after layer as we move through the earth, letting each layer of the earth feel our heartfelt thanks for life itself. 
And as we reach that very center of the earth, let us connect in to those energies that deeply refresh and renew and restore us in our lives. Let us connect deeply in to that which can truly replenish us at heart and soul and that which brings up the nourishment to our bodies and to all of the things here in life with us that become the food and the gifts and all that it is that we use to create and manifest that which we are here to create. And so let us tune deeply into that energy of the earth that is before all of these things and draw that energy up, up through all the layers of the earth into our body Imagining or visualizing or feeling these energies rising up into our body and connecting us to that which renews and restores, revitalizes and nourishes and gives us a deep, deep replenishment of that which we have expended in our day, in our life. And may we use this energy to be in our body, to let our body be here on earth and to ground ourselves deeply into those things in life that have heart and meaning and to not be distracted by things that are less and draw out the lesser version of ourself, but to do the inner work necessary to stand up for who we are, for our values, for that which is true and deep to our heart and to do so in a way that we build a sense of home, a sense of belonging and a sense of hearth, you know, that which makes our home a true home and that we do that in a way that opens to that which is uncomfortable, that which is other than who we are in this moment so that that person or thing that is different can inspire in us through that discomfort an awakening, a rising up of the better man or the better woman that lives within us so that we can truly become the people that we were born to be. This is the quality of the energy of the earth that we call out for, that we can learn through our experiences here on earth to come into right relationship with ourselves, right relationship with our environment, wherever it is that we live, right relationship with the other living things in that environment and right relationship with the invisible world. And in doing that, may we come to understand our place in this greater web of life that is not apparent, but understand that it is the energy that is behind all things and to find ourselves one with that great energy. And from this place of oneness and connection to the earth, let us draw our own energy up from our belly to our heart our heart to our mind, up and out the top of our head and into the sky and whatever weather it holds for you on this particular time, this moment that you are listening. Let the energy rise up through the atmosphere into the cosmos and through the cosmos to the highest power of the universe by by whatever way you know this energy, whatever name you call it and whatever way you conceive of it, to allow your own energy to truly connect with it and to draw this energy down. That which balances the energy of the earth but is uniquely different. And in this way, we call into ourselves the deep, deep energy of protection and let us offer that energy out to others. We call in the deep energy of blessing. Let us receive it within ourselves and offer it out to others. And let us draw on this energy from above to revitalize our own commitment, our own devotion and dedication, and our ability to stand up for others 
as mentors and champions in their lives. We call out to this energy to bring in the benevolence of our universe and to understand that, that there is more than enough here for us if we can learn to live in a sustainable way, to not waste anything, including ourselves, and to open up to the capacity to co-create together. And so as we draw these energies down from above and ask them to help to illuminate and inspire the path forward, let's call these energies in from our head to our heart to our belly and all the way down to the center of the earth so that earth and sky are connected here within us and so that we as humans become this meeting place of these two great legendary lovers and let their big love awaken the spirit of your own heart. Let your own heart come online in this day, inspired by the big love of the energies above and below. And let that crucible of transformation that lives in your heart awaken and reach down and draw up the fiery passions of your belly that know why you are here. That live for one reason, to do what it is that you have come here to do. And draw that energy up into your heart and draw down the crystal clarity of the mind and that understanding that you are not your mind but your mind is here as a tool. Sharpen it. Use it. And as we draw the energies from above and below together in our own heart, let them come together in this dynamic tension that challenges each other. And in that challenge, they give birth to this third and absolutely sacred thing, which is why you are here. That which is unique and true only to you and only to this life. And may you find in that very same human heart the courage that you need to bring that unique gift out into the world in some way. And for the vast legions of spirit help that we have to do precisely that, I give great thanks. I also want to give thanks to the human beings that helped me bring this show out into the world So may what needs to be said be said here today and what needs to be heard be heard. And may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. And speaking of living things, the important thing about life here on earth is that manifestation is a challenge that we all face. And I want to thank the people that are helping me to manifest Why Shamanism Now as a great archive, a great library of shows that can help us to understand how to bring shamanic practices into our contemporary lives in a way that is practical and bears fruit. And so I want to thank Craig and Douglas and J.P. Adrian, um, Anne Madeline, Sherwood and Susan and all of the other listeners who have been able to donate financially to Why Shamanism Now. It is because of your donations that I am able to keep the show alive and on the air and the archives available to people anywhere in the world who can access them via the internet. And... um, For those of you that don't know, the show is listener-supported, so it is only because of donations for listeners like you that the show has continued now coming around to the end of the eighth year. And um, if you would like to donate to the show, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com, scroll down, donate any amount, large or small. Um, I'm deeply grateful for for all of it, even the $3 donations. All of it goes directly to keeping the show on the air. And as new listeners come in and begin to donate and longer time listeners fall away, that we maintain together the ability to keep the show available. 
so thank you. And thank you for those of you that use the show, that deepen the ideas through your own practice, through your own questions. And I thank those of you that share the show with others and all of the many ways that you find a way that is not financial, but is a way that still grows the show, helps to keep the show vital and helps to, it to spread out and touch the lives of others. So for all the many things that we are all doing to help to keep the show alive and vital, I am deeply grateful. We are not live today, but you are welcome to email me about today's show. If you have questions, you can email me Email me at Christina at lastmaskcenter.org. And um, if you are interested in donating to the show, but you don't want to do it online, I completely understand. You can email me at Christina at lastmaskcenter.org, and I would be happy to give you a regular address for a regular old-fashioned check. And I thank you all for the many things that you are doing to help me uh, to do Why Shamanism Now. So our topic today is about shadow work, and it is precisely in response to the election here in the United States of America here in 2016 and the fact that the nature of the way our country here has engaged in this election has invited the deep hidden shadow of um, collective shadow of the people of this country to rise up and be seen. And I'm not pointing fingers at anybody for whose fault that is because there is more than enough um, responsibility to go around. <laughs> so, but the question that's important is what do we do now? How do we go forward in a good way? So uh, the question then is how do we address this shadow that is not only up at this point in time and being lived profoundly in our country, um, but how do we address it in a way that allows this transformation to bear fruit in the way that our personal and individual shadow work ultimately reassembles the whole person with the allies of our own internal allies that we were born uh, to bring into this life. And so it's important to understand that the end, the ultimate, not goal, but result of true shadow work is the gathering of allies. And allies that now give you resources and skills you didn't think you had and awarenesses you didn't think you were capable of, strength, courage, qualities um, that you now possess that allow you to be better able to do what you have come here to do. And that is true individually, but I also mean that collectively. There are many parts of the vision on which the current version of America was founded that are not all that different from the visions of the indigenous people that were here before the white people that currently dominate this country. And that those visions are still resonate with me as something worth fighting to manifest. And so what I'm saying is as we, if we could address this collective shadow in the same way we address our personal shadow, we could gather those allies in a way that we could manifest a vision that was held in the hearts of the many people that have come to North America in many different stages and manifested in a way that is true to that vision and not um, a hypocrisy. 
All right, so uh, there is one show in the archives above all others that has angered listeners enough that they took the time to write handwritten letters and mail them to my personal address to tell me how wrong I was and how could I possibly mean what I said. Um, And in that show, I clearly, unintentionally, but clearly touched into the forbidden territory. And it's interesting to me because, you know, this show wasn't on family values, which was a really um, rather um, energetic show that I did on family values a number of years ago. It wasn't on male to female gender transformation and shamanism, which is another very challenging topic for many people. Um, It wasn't about something that I would consider actually controversial. Um, It was not one of the many shows we did on racism that did call out to people with privilege to wake up and use your power for good. Um, It wasn't any of the many shows where I get a little bit carried away and pushy and absolute and irritating. None of those shows. No. It was a show on shadow work. I mean, really, shadow work. Okay. This is the one topic of all of the things in 400 hours right, in the archives. It's the one topic that I get the most questions about. And these are sincere questions about how do I bring my shamanic skills to bear and truly do shadow work. I mean, they're really, it is the single most asked question in the Why Shamanism Now question file is how do I do the work? So I thought, great, okay. Let me do a show about how you do that since people really want to hear that. And wow, (laughs) the condescension that I received in return was as thick as butter in the Arctic and utterly unconscious. The senders of these letters were unaware. And I seriously got mansplained big time because I do my best to practice what I preach I read those letters and I said, okay, what are my reactions versus my responses? What is here for me to clear? And honestly, I didn't really find anything very interesting. There was no real traction there for any sort of traction, uh, transformation. Okay. So I said, all right, so let me go a little deeper. And diligently, I continued nonetheless to check on shadow issues. So I entered into the journey to begin to look to see if these letters had brought up shadow work for me to look at as these writers had, had clearly told me I needed to look at myself. So I did. I entered into the journey and I ran smack into crazy woman, which was not my intent, but there she was. Um, and for those of you that don't know and haven't listened to the many shows about crazy woman and crazy logic, uh, she is the non-logical logic of the warrior archetype. At least, you know, that's at, at, at the most minimal description of who she is. That would be the way you could think about her that would apply to our show here today. Okay, so there she is in my journey. Not who I intended to go talk to, but there she was. So I asked my questions and she just looked at me and said, grow a spine and handed me a cocktail. So I sat in my journey with crazy woman, drank my cocktail and grew a spine. So here we go again, people. Yep, I'm diving back in, (laughs) back into the forbidden territory of how do we really do shadow work. Yes, I did mean to say all that I said in that first show about what, and the show is entitled, 
what is shadow work if you want to go google it at the, in the archives and find it and listen okay i did mean to call out what is not shadow work but is passed off as shadow work constantly and consistently in my culture here in the united states of america and i'm about to say more on that exact same path i am will not be dissuaded i have grown more spine and why am i doing this just because i want to prove a point no of course not <laughs> I'm doing that because here in the United States, shit just got real. Now, I know for a lot of you, it was already really real, and now it just got realer, but here we go. So I am saying more about this because I'm getting even more emails about how do we really do this. And the point that I'm trying to make is if all of those decades of the supposed shadow work that has been being done here in the United States was actually shadow work, we would not have the reality of our country's current shadow rising up to face us right now because it would already have been transformed. It would not be sitting there waiting to be manipulated from many directions. And I don't mean just those people over there. I mean the full circle. Everybody from every perspective in this country manipulated because the shadow work wasn't shadow work. And thus, there was an enormous energy in the collective shadow to be manipulated and directed towards this particular outcome. This was the only possible outcome given the nature of that shadow. So why would I jump in again so more people can send me, uh, mansplain me some more? Because people are in pain and asking, how do I do this differently? And we all need to know how to go forward in a way that creates a new story, which means we have to be new people. And we are in an environment that is not conducive to the kind of environment most people need to become new people. People are afraid. People are grieving. People are righteous and positional and fundamental. People are all over the place in many different places, but none of them, for the most part, are conducive to the kind of work we need to be doing right now as people, all of us, because we are all people and we all have shadow energies in this contemporary culture. And I am not arrogant enough to think that what is true for contemporary people was necessarily true in the same way for ancient people. But I can speak to the shadow that is created by the way we raise people in the United States and the corollaries in the rest of what is considered the Western world, for which is a term that doesn't really make any sense anymore. But anyway, so what's the shadow? Let's review, right? Quick review. What is the shadow? Okay, so psychologically speaking, the shadow is an aspect of oneself that the conscious ego judges, fears, or rejects extremely. Let me take a moment here. I'll repeat that, but let me take a moment. You are not your ego. This is what shamanism teaches us, and this is why I personally love shamanism, because as a double Capricorn, I would have spent my entire life trapped in my ego. It's not a happy place to be. 
the beauty of shamanism is it reminds us that you are not your ego, that a healthy ego is necessary to cultivate, but you are not your ego. It reminds you, you are not your mind. A healthy mind is necessary. Your mind is a tool. Sharpen it. Use it. But you are not your mind. And you are not only your heart. That the shamanic teachings teach us a maturity of spirit, which calls for a maturity of emotions. But it also speaks to an availability of an honest emotional response to what is going on at all times in our world. But we are not our heart, that we are something else for which all of these things are part of the unique experience of being a human and that we learn that we are not those things and how to use those things in concert, we become better humans. And this is at the core of why the spirits come to us. When the spirits come to us and we engage with them, we start moving into what I would call a shamanic relationship with the world because that's the defining uh, quality of what makes a shamanic practitioner practitioner shamanic is that they are working, co-creating, working in direct conscious relationship with spirit as an ally. Okay, now I'm getting distracted. So let me just go back to my point. My point is that from a shamanic perspective, you are not your ego. And so this description about the shadow is important to, to not think of yourself as your ego. You are not your ego. Okay, so the shadow is an aspect of oneself that the conscious ego judges, fears, or rejects extremely with extreme prejudice. Not enough to create soul loss, but enough that for this ego, self-preservation says that you can no longer identify with this part of yourself as yourself. You can't afford to do that. So the ego feels it can no longer afford to associate with this aspect of itself. So that self gets cleaved off. And so let me point out that this extreme gesture of the ego that cleaves off this part of the self is a learned action. And it's usually learned in childhood, a point in time in our life when things feel very much more life and death. Okay, so this part of our conscious self has been judged harshly. It gets cleaved off and the part of the self is put in the shadow. And you can think of it as being put in the pokey, right? It's like being put in prison and forgotten. And that's the whole point of the shadow is I'm trying to forget this aspect of myself exists and I will not allow it to take action in the world. Thus the prison idea. But in reality, this is more like the part of yourself has been falsely accused, then put in prison without a trial and then forgotten. That's more the reality of what it means to an aspect of ourself to be put in the shadow. Falsely accused, imprisoned, without a trial, and forgotten. That's what it feels like to be in the shadow. And so since this cleaved off part of the self was part of our conscious self, it's not capable of not acting, but is put in a place where it can't act consciously. So those selves that are now in the shadow cell 
right, can no longer act consciously. So all that remains to those aspects of the self is action through the unconscious. And now let me point out something very important. Those actions of the self that has been put in the shadow and is now acting out of your unconscious, that those unconscious actions are not shadow. The shadow energy is the source, the self that's actually in the shadow closet. Right? Okay. So the problem with things acting out unconsciously is it makes us do things like we think we're consciously doing action A, but simultaneously we're unconsciously doing action B. So we think we're getting into a new relationship with a different person, but ultimately we find out over time that it's just a new version of the same person. It's a new version of the same job. It's a new version of the same whatever because we have our conscious ego and our conscious self making choices to go forward and those parts of ourself in the shadow are also making choices and going forward through the unconscious and the chaos of our life ensues. In the, in the simplest sense, um, you know, we, we trip ourselves up, but in the most destructive sense, we get into patterns of deep and effective self-sabotage. Okay, so what this means then is that, quote-unquote, doing shadow work implies that this is not only a shift of the consciousness or the insight that comes from identifying the aspect of ourself that's been imprisoned in the shadow, but it's also the transformation of the relationship between the ego that put it there and the aspect of the self that got put there, right? So those two aspects of the self have to come back into right relationship. Um, and so the um, – and then the issue that has to be transcended for that to happen are whatever these issues are about this dominating energy around the judgment or the fear or the self-loathing. And so to put a point on it, insight is not enough to qualify as shadow work, just identifying the shadow and embracing it, not shadow work. Insight's not enough. The work isn't in the finding. I mean, let's face it. Our shadow behaviors make shadow aspects really obvious. We keep doing it in our life again and again. Our actions in our life, our unconscious actions keep showing us, keep trying to drive us back again and again to find the part of ourself that we've lost in the shadow. So that's not the hard part. Identifying shadow energies are not the hard part. Okay. Um, So, you know, the thing that you're dealing with there is that those aspects of the self that the child learned he or she could not afford, right, were actually many of our best, most creative, most powerful, and most intimately loving aspects of ourself. There's nothing wrong with anything in the shadow. It is not our darker nature. These are aspects of ourself that have been judged, wrongfully accused of being our darker nature. These are two very different things, very, very different things. And if we're going to do true shadow work, we need to tease this out clearly and understand these distinctions. Okay, so... 
the point uh, that was made clearly uh, this point was made clearly for me in a conversation recently with a therapist who's currently involved in the cycle teachings and just um, it was kind of in the in the follow-up days after the um, dance of the shadow self which is year two in the cycle and so they have the experience recovering shadow selves out of the shadow closet and now they're in the process of the transformation and I was communicating with this um, therapist and what what came out of that conversation was the real realization that we culturally assume shadow work is psychological work largely because the person that brought us to attention is Jung and Jung is you know right up there with one of the fathers of psychology so we just assume if he's talking about it it's psychological work i don't think everybody anybody's really parsed it out beyond that but shadow work isn't psychological work it's heart work in other words, as soon as that ego self shoves that aspect of the self into the shadow, that aspect of the self is moved out of the realm of the mind. That's the whole point of that cleaving gesture is it's moving that aspect of the self out of the mind and into the very messy realm of the heart, messy from the mind's perspective. So yes, Jung is a genius, and in his genius, he tried and tried and tried to get out an understanding of the shadow and how we transform that energy. But just because it was Jung who talked best about it, it doesn't mean that it's a psychological issue. And that's part of the point, I think, in Jung's later work. It is, he was trying to talk about that dangerous zone where the ego begins to shove things out of the psychological realm into the realms of the heart or the spirit or the realms where a, a true tried and true psychological process jumps rails and ends up taking us into the realms of spirit or the realm of the heart and this is you know hello the problem with being a human is that we're not compartmentalized all of the realms all of the wisdoms talk to each other energy gets moved between them energy moves between them Okay, so with that said, though, keep in mind it is the nature of the shadow, as Jung named it, that it is, um, functions effectively like a prison. And it is a prison specifically designed to keep you out of it. So my shadow is specifically designed to keep me out of it. So it's like the, the, the anti uh, retina scan. So if I show up, it scans my retina and goes, you absolutely can't go in here, <laughs> right? And the same thing with you and your shadow is the nature of that prison is it's designed to keep you out. And that is the, the one of the big stumbling blocks and misunderstandings of working with shadow is that there is actual energy imprisoned. It needs to be rescued and brought out. But at the same time, because it's acting through the unconscious, we can see pretty clearly, if we choose to look, what it is. And we mistake the effect of that energy being in shadow as the actual shadow energy to be transformed. And that is an illusion, which leads to the kind of shadow work that is ultimately um, in informative and potentially transformative but not transformative in a way that rescues the energy from prison. 
So we are often told by those who talk to us about working with shadow psychologically to embrace your shadow. Yes. Okay. From the sense that we all need to actually understand that we have a shadow and what it is and that we created it by the teachings we received from others, how we process that in through our little tiny child mind. Yes, from that perspective, we all need to embrace we have a shadow. That's the only value of the statement, embrace your shadow. It is not a description of your path forward for how to transform the shadow. In that case, I would say embrace your shadow. No, <laughs> because it it must be transformed before we integrate it. It must be transformed from the enemy that it's become by being forced to act out of the unconscious and being falsely accused, stuck in prison without a trial and forgotten. I mean, can you imagine what I would turn into if you falsely accused me, stuck me in prison without a trial and forgot me? Holy crap. I don't even want to think about that, right? So the point is we don't like that. No one likes that. Go have a conversation with the black community in America about how much they don't like the fact that people are routinely falsely accused, put in prison without a trial of their peers and forgotten. It's devastating. It's not the recipe for making you a better human. So for us, we need to understand that a good chunk of ourself and in many ways a chunk of some of the best parts of ourself are in a situation within ourself daily where they are serving a prison sentence they do not deserve. And they are experiencing what people experience in that situation. And you are the guard and the boss of that prison. And everybody in that prison is you. So, no, embracing your shadow is not enough. So, the whole idea, you know, that embrace your shadow is really just a polite way of saying get a grip already. You're a contemporary human raised in a culture that by definition will inspire you to create shadow cells left and right until you grow up and start saying, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. Then after you say, no, I'm not going to turn myself into shadow parts anymore, you can stop putting people in prison. And then you need to deal with what you have trapped in your shadow. And that is why the embrace your shadow idea isn't um, helpful for anything other than getting us to get a grip that we have one. Okay, great. We've gotten a grip. We have one. Let's move along to talk about how we transform the shadow. Okay. Well, actually, before we even do that, let's talk about why. Why should you bother right now? Why should you ever bother now or not? Why? Personally, we need to bother because of how it affects us personally. So from a shamanic perspective, you came into this life with gifts from a shamanic perspective they're from past lives but if you don't like the past life thing you can leave that part out and just trust you came into this life with gifts 
and that you are supposed to use those gifts in some way to express a quality of unique genius in the world. And from that, what I like about that idea is it means that every single one of us is equally valuable here because we each have something to express here in the world, a gift to give to the collective that is unique and no one else can do it. And if we don't do it in this lifetime, it isn't going to be done. This gift doesn't have anything to do with karma. It's not, there's no do-overs. It's a now or never kind of thing. And for me, that gives me a sense, that knowing, that belief gives me a sense of the incredible importance of me doing what I've come here to do without getting um, full of myself and without some sense that I am somehow so much more important than anybody else that I now get to use more resources or express my purpose on the backs of other people or any of the other many things that people do when they get dominant, arrogant, and um, overly full of themselves and their own idea that their dream is so much more important that we get to trample other people's dreams in the process of manifesting it. So it's an equalizing force, this idea of unique genius. That I am here, that I have to do this in the short time that I call my life, and yet I need to do it in a way that does not get does not prohibit anyone else from living their sole purpose, from expressing their unique genius. So it's a great equalizer, while at the same time bringing out our uniqueness and our importance. It's a paradox. I like it. Okay, so we have this idea um, that we come into the world, we have gifts, we have a certain amount of conscious awareness, and it is through the process of discovering the self we do not yet know, which is what, from a shamanic perspective, I would call our unconscious self, the self we do not yet know, the self we will discover as we apply our gifts to life and endeavor to live that unique genius. And in the process of doing that, we'll come to discover a deeper, uh, fuller expression of who we are. And so I have a conscious self and the self I do not yet know that I am here to discover through the expression of my life. And so to get to a, a spiritual place we would call transparency, as it's spoken about in many spiritual traditions, would be... In, in this model would be the conscious self coming to know the unknown part of the self, the unconscious self and coming to know more and more and more until all that remains is just this thinnest veil of humanity that holds the spirit here in its human form, but that otherwise the self has become entirely conscious of the spirit that is here and the gifts they have to bring and what it means to have given them. And that that is what we're doing here. Okay, so why shadow work? Because I come in with these aspects of myself, blah, blah, blah happens in my life that teaches me to judge or to be afraid of or to loathe some aspect of that self I brought into the world. And so I cleave that off and stick it in the shadow. But the important thing is that what I just learned was false. There is no part of me that needs to be cleaved off. That is a misunderstanding. It's false information. That I need all the aspects of myself to be conscious, 
so that they can function as allies in this effort to live my unique genius in the world in a way that doesn't limit anybody else's ability to live their unique genius, right? So I've just put my ally in prison. And as I go through childhood here in the Western world, I will continue to unknowingly misjudge my allies, these conscious aspects of myself, and stick them in the shadow prison, right? So now I am crippled in my capacity to do what I have come here to do. And for some of you, you don't know why you're here. You have no idea what unique genius is because the part of you that knows is in prison and not talking to you now and talking to you in this very confusing, convoluted way through the unconscious. So why? Why do we need to do our shadow work? So that we can bring our whole conscious self as allies to bear on the task of doing what we've come here to do. We can't afford to leave ourselves in shadow personally because of what we're here to do. Now, collectively, when I have energies in shadow, they behave, they take action through my unconsciousness and I behave in ways that are beneath me. You behave in ways that are beneath you. They are not our best self when we are acting unconsciously out of our pain, out of our self-loathing, out of our fear, and out of our judgment against ourself. That we are at our worst as human beings when these are the energies that are driving our action. And we put that out into the world onto other people through our actions, through our projections of our story onto other people. These are all the behaviors that get expressed when we have aspects of ourself shadow. We can't afford to keep doing that because that creates a collective shadow that begins to sort of make babies with time spirits. <laughs> and then, then, you know, everything goes to hell in a handbasket because more and more of our energy goes into the shadow that then normalizes the shadow behavior and it becomes more and more acceptable for all of us to take action beneath our highest self, beneath our human self, much less our highest self, we need all of our allies out of the shadow to live our highest self. But we need to do this shadow work just to start acting like human beings again, full, compassionate, understanding, creative, funny humans. We're not very funny right now. We're pretty sad and pathetic right now. It's important that we reclaim our humor. We reclaim our passion. We reclaim the power and the generative beauty of our true sexuality. These are all the kinds of things that many of us have in the shadow. And it's showing right now. All that we have lost to ourselves into the shadow. So. There's the personal reason, there's this collective reason, and the point is that when we allow ourselves to cultivate shadow versus dealing with directly, with judgment, with, with self-loathing, with pain, with fear, with these things that have come into our life, when we don't address those, we just allow it to cleave parts of ourselves off and shove them into the shadow, then people become more reactive and less responsive because they're behaving out of their unconsciousness, right? People become divisive and intolerant because they are divisive within themselves and intolerant of the selves that have been put in the shadow. People feel that their own pain, 
no matter how self-inflicted, justifies creating pain in the lives of others. And people become more positional and less tolerant of anything different, new or creative. They can't stand to be pushed out of their comfort zone. And I am not pointing my finger at any one group right now. I am speaking to all of us. Because the level of rhetoric and dialogue and lack of true listening, back to Steve Bear's talking stick book, go to Why Shamanism Now, search for it. These skills of deep and compassionate listening, the willingness to understand someone's experience that is so much deep, uh, different from your own, these qualities are what make us human. Help us to rise to our best. And these are the very things we lose when we leave. We, we think we have the luxury to leave ourselves in shadow. Okay. So what this really means basically is you dehumanize yourself when you leave your own energies in shadow. And in doing that, you will begin to act in ways that dehumanize others. And I don't care if you think you're one of the good people and one of the spiritual people or whatever. If you have energy in shadow, you will dehumanize it is the nature of how that works. So one thing that we can agree on is that there is gold in the shadow, which is something that's said in anything you read about doing shadow work. The issue is how do you extract it? How do we get at our shadow work and extract the gold? So first we need to understand what makes tr a transformation an actual shadow transformation. And this is what I've been already talking about on the show so far. The next thing is to see the progression of disconnection from self that humans engage in so that we can see where shadow work, shadow transformation actually fits in to this whole overall landscape of transformational work, um, otherwise known as healing. Okay. And when, um, this is a, so the other thing to understand about transformation is, Anything on the landscape of transformation, when that thing is what's blocking you from what you're trying to do or from your, what you're trying to heal or how you're trying to go forward in your life, that thing is genius. That thing is intense, it's deep, it's powerful, and it's transformation. And so, But part of what's making it that is the fact that it's precisely what you need. It's what's in your way and it's being transformed and resolved. So depth of transformation is a somewhat relative experience. We need to kind of keep that in mind. And so that's why I'm, I'm trying to cultivate in us this understanding of this whole transformational landscape. And they all matter and they matter most when it's the one that you need. Okay, so in that landscape, first off, we have um, marginalization. And what marginalization is, is when you've marginalized an aspect of yourself, you've pushed it onto the outskirts of your normal self, and it requires other people or other environments or the environment changing in some way um, to give you permission to bring that self out. In your life and when those conditions change and the permission is removed these aspects of yourself go back out to the margins and so this is a big part of the experience of burning man 
for people. As I understand people talking about, one of the many things they enjoy there is everybody's got permission to be at the party. So all of these marginalized aspects of ourselves get to be present. And um, the important thing about that is with marginalization, you are abdicating your power. And you are relying on the environment to give yourself permission to be present. And so you are faulty there in your own sovereignty. You're, you've abdicated power. That's, that's um, not good sovereign work. <laughs> so um, so it, it speaks to a lack of confidence usually or a kind of an insecurity or some sort of self-esteem issue, fear, you know, something. Um, but it creates a disconnect from your power. And, and in particular, that power you would use to give yourself permission to simply be you, right? And with marginalization, that disconnect is largely in your mental wisdom body. And um, the marginalized self, you know, that which you've disconnected from, is present in your field of influence. It's just on the margins, right? And this dynamic can be completely transformed through good therapy, um, largely because it's primarily a disconnect in the mental wisdom body. And so good therapy should also teach you how to notice your marginalized selves and to transform these energies yourself. So in other words, with a good therapist, over time, you should become more self-reliant. And this is an area of personal work and transformation that we can ultimately um, – transform ourselves. This is also a, a place, for example, that gets transformed when people sit Vipassana for 10 days, things like that. And, and it is a, it, when it is transformed, it's a true and valid and important trans, transformation. So now the next sort of arena of things is what I call the 75%. <laughs> I don't have a better word for it. But basically what the 75% is is the 75% of the stuff that is in your way that you are capable of transforming with the right emotional clearing skills, right meaning effective, that actually gets at this particular place in our energy body where we lodge these energies that we've dis disconnected from, not only in our mental wisdom body, but in our emotional wisdom body simultaneously. And so we need to be able to engage at the place it's lodged, which is in the energy body, and engage in a way that allows us to bring both our mental and our emotional wisdom bodies uh, to bear on the problem. Okay, so that is a lot of what causes us to react. It's a lot of what causes our illnesses, our exhaustion, our, all, our many of our chronic um, uh, scrabbly kind of patterns in life. Um, and so this, this uh, has a great deal to do with stories and beliefs that we carry um, that your true self knows is a lie. And therefore this, this disconnection for yourself has been held in the body because your true self is not going to let it go because it knows it's you, but you've just uh, misinterpreted it through a story that is untrue. It's about the lies that we tell ourselves, the stories that we carry that are ultimately lies that we tell ourselves. And these are all based on the fundamental fears of not being loved, of dying, of being um, um, annihilated, 
which is a different kind of dying, um, being abandoned, which is a different kind of dying, or being excommunicated, which is a different kind of dying. So it's all about basic human fear of death um, that rises up in childhood. And these are these are the stories that we learned, and they're all clearable, right? Because the disconnect is in the mental, emotional, wisdom body simultaneously. And um, it's lodged in the energy body. So all of these energies are present. They're held in the interface between the physical body and the energy body. They can be transformed through emotional energy clearing processes. You can learn to do this yourself. You can also pay someone who's trained in the more somatic therapeutic forms to assist you. But ultimately, any serious practitioner of any of the esoteric arts, including shamanism, would need to learn to do this ultimately yourself and to not pay for a professional to assist you. Okay, so now the next disconnect is shadow. And um, first we need to change from this metaphor of extracting the gold um, to understanding the true nature of the transformation needed because it isn't just an extraction. That um, shadow self is – any shadow self – is actually in an enemy mode and that self needs your presence, your firm hand and your loving acceptance to transform it back to its original ally. And that, that division is not between the ego and the shadow. It is not a mental issue. Shadow issues are heart issues. It's about a division between who I love and thus give life to and who I no longer love. It is an issue of the heart. And so, as we've discussed already, the shadow self results from judgment and fear and cleaving that part of your true self off. The disconnect is in the mental and emotional wisdom body simultaneously, but it is not lodged in the energy body like the 75%. The shadow energy is both present and unavailable. That shadow selves are lodged in a way that they are completely unavailable to you specifically. So your shadow selves are specifically unavailable to you, mine to me. Okay. They can be transformed once they are removed from the shadow. That's the trick. And the efforts to transform shadow selves without removing them lead to deep and dramatic but otherwise circular processes that feel like a lot of work but ultimately do not rescue the self from the shadow. The transformation, there may be lots of new information, but the transformation doesn't solve the ultimate problem. So the ways that we remove a shadow self from the shadow involve altered states. And they often involve removing the shadow self for another person. So in other words, Billy would do it for Bob and Bob would do it for Billy because you can't get it your own, but you can get it other people's. Okay, now just to complete the landscape, there is a dissociation zone. We can get dissociated selves. They are not shadow selves. They are not lost soul parts. They are not in the 75%. Um, They are the result of the kinds of fear for our life or our emotional life or our mental life or our spiritual life that cause soul loss. But for whatever reason, the loss is not complete that the self leaves the core self but stays around. So the disconnect is at a soul level as well as mental and emotional, and it does not carry the same kind of judgment that the shadow disconnect creates. It's not necessarily about judgment. It's about fear for your life. And it is not present 
but it can return because it's in this weird zone, this uh, dissociation zone between not really being present in the body, but also not really being gone. And it's on the edges of your sphere of influence. It needs to be gathered and returned to the body like a soul part and then reintegrated like a soul part. And that, so that transformation can occur in many different modalities that allow you to enter an altered state or the practitioner to enter an altered state to connect with that part of yourself and welcome it back in without really going anywhere because it's right on the edges of your sphere of influence. And then finally, we have soul loss, which is the result, which we have many shows about. So quickly, it's the result of a level of fear for our life for our emotional life, our mental life, or our spiritual life that is so terrifying that we totally leave the sphere of influence. doesn't have the same judgment as shadow issues necessarily. It is a profound disconnect at the soul level or the core. It is an emotional and a mental and an energy body disconnect. Um, and that soul part is not present it must be retrieved, replaced, and reintegrated. And while that can, under certain rare conditions, happen spontaneously, it requires altered states. And so the important thing about shadow work and soul loss is for different reasons, they both require the use of altered states, and particularly for shadow, for that rescue. And I understand that shadow work has been the sacred territory of men's work and women's work in the United States now for decades, for much of my life. And I think it's critically important that we stop calling work that is not shadow work, shadow work, because there are too many people walking around thinking they've done their shadow work. And we see the evidence of this in the year-long experience of this debacle called the U.S. election, where we have seen utterly hidden and unresolved shadow work rising up in the precise population that participates in men's and women's work. And so for this reason, let's discern our transformations more accurately so that we are convinced um, we have, so that we are not convinced we've done shadow work when we haven't. And then let's gather together and really do it. So I give thanks to the ancestors for gathering round for the earth below, the sky above, and the heart that unites us all. I want to thank you all for listening once again to my endeavors to help us understand the shadow. And may you all find some assistance in this week to be able to look more honestly and deeply at your own.